0: During the three-and-a-half years of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord taught and preached His Gospel to many different people in many different places. He covered many different subjects as He taught and preached the Word. But there's one main theme that was always in the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, from the very beginning until the end. And that theme was the Kingdom God, or the Kingdom of Heaven. We read in Matthew four seventeen. This is after the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. and said, Jesus began to teach and to preach the things concerning the gospel of the kingdom. But in verse 17, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Something called the kingdom of heaven was there at that time and Jesus issued out a message of repentance. John the Baptist who came before the Lord Jesus Christ began his ministry exactly the same way. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, he said, And John came preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In Matthew chapter 10, the Lord chooses 12 men out of his disciples who we call apostles. And he instructed them as to where they should go and where they should not go. He says, Go not to the way of the Gentiles or the way of the Samaritans, But go ye rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. An important point, the gospel in the beginning was restricted to the Jews only. If the gospel, it is very, very important, but if the gospel was something that was instrumental to help God populate heaven, the Lord is only giving it right now to a select people. But of course, that's not the truth. The truth is the gospel is good news and glad tidings about the salvation of the Lord's people. And so he tells his disciples that they go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. We notice here, the message of John in the beginning was repent. The message of Jesus was repent. The message of the apostles was repent. This message was to the Jewish nation at that particular time. Repent, for the gospel, or the kingdom of heaven, is at hand. When something's at hand, it means it's, it's right there, it's now. And so the kingdom under consideration here, was a prophesied kingdom. Go to the book of Daniel, chapter 2, verse 44, and we find here where the writer says, For the God of heaven shall set up a kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, in the days of these kings. When so the days of these kings shall God establish a kingdom, or set up a kingdom. In the days of these kings, he was talking about the kings, at that time was the Babylonian Empire. It'd be followed by the Medes and Persian Empire, it'd be followed by the Grecian Empire, and then finally by the Roman Empire, which was in control and reigning during the time of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was during this time that the kingdom that was prophesied that God would set up an everlasting kingdom. I want you to notice several words this morning about this kingdom to show it's a unique kingdom. Just like the Bible is a unique book, the gospel church that Jesus set up, it's special and it's unique. It's not like the church of the denominational world. It's different. It's different for a reason. It's the Lord's church. And so this would be a unique kingdom. First of all, it'd be an everlasting kingdom. There's never been a kingdom on this earth that was everlasting. They all had a beginning. They all had an end. But the Lord's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Okay? So the day came when John the Baptist came as a forerunner of Christ proclaiming this. Now, a kingdom obviously has to have a king. So the king was prophesied to be the king of this kingdom. Isaiah 32.1. In that day a king shall reign in righteousness. Notice this will be a reigning king, and he'll reign in righteousness. It's unlike any other earthly king that's ever been. Zechariah 9:9 9, 9 says, Shout, O Zion, rejoice, O Jerusalem. The news he's about to give is shouting news. It's news that we should rejoice in. It's news we should shout about. Shout, O Zion! Rejoice, O city of Jerusalem! For thy king. Notice thy king. T H Y. Thy king cometh. Let's notice something about him. He's just and lowly, and he's riding upon an ass, the colt, the fold of an ass, having salvation. This king would be a different type of king. He would not come with splendor. He would not come with pomp and show. He come riding upon an ass, the, the foal of an ass, into the city of Jerusalem. His kingdom, likewise, would be a different kingdom. I want to take a look at two things the Apostle Paul tells Timothy about this king. Notice carefully the wording of it. In 1 Timothy, in the first chapter, in verse 17, he says, Now unto the king eternal, to the king eternal. God is the only eternal being. That's why he is the only who can give eternal life unto the king eternal, eternal, immortal. And so it shows he's not man, invisible. Man cannot make himself invisible. But God is eternal, he's immortal, he's invisible. The only wise God, to him be glory and honor, world without end, o glory and honor forever. Three things about him here, or four things. He's eternal, he's immortal, he's invisible. He's the only wise God. Then we come to the last chapter, chapter 6, verse 15. In his own time, talking about God, in his own time, he will show who is the blessed and only potentate. Now that word potentate is used one time in the Bible, and here it is. It means to rule and reign with supreme authority. He will show who is the blessed and only potentate, king of kings and lord of lords. Dwelling in the light that no man can approach. See, without sunlight and artificial light, we'd be in total darkness all the time, wouldn't we? If we didn't have the sunlight and artificial light, if we didn't have sunlight, you wouldn't have moonlight. Okay? So without sunlight and artificial light, we'd always be in darkness. But God has given us the great sun to give us light in the daytime. And the moon that reflects, you know, the light it has is a light of reflection from the sun. And the stars give us light at night. And God's blessed us with the invention of le- you know, electricity or whatever to have lights like this right here. But God dwells in light that no man can approach. God did not have to have artificial light. He is light. God is light in whom there is no darkness. He did not have to have sunlight. He is light. He dwells in light which no man can approach. No eye hath seen and no eye can see. It says, now be honor and praise throughout all ages. That's how Paul describes King Jesus to Timothy. That can only apply to one king, correct? So the Lord Jesus Christ came just like Zachariah said he would come. He'd come riding upon an ass, the colt and the foal of an ass, and ushering in his kingdom that would be unlike any other kingdom that you've ever thought about or read about on this earth here. Now, let's look at some of the characteristics of this kingdom. And I want to say in the outset that we have two distinct phases, you might say, of God's kingdom. There's the eternal kingdom. There's the eternal kingdom. And then there's a kingdom that Jesus established on this earth, of which he is the reigning king of his people here in time. You enter one one way, you enter the other one another way. I'll say this much about the eternal kingdom. Colossians 1.13, Paul says, Who hath delivered us from darkness and, and, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. When something is translated, what is being translated is passive. What does the translating is active. God is the one who does the translating. He's active. The heirs of promise, the objects of His love, His elect, His children are the objects of this work of translation, and they're passive in it. That's extremely important Do you understand that. Every member of God's eternal family, all of his elect, that he formed you before time ever began, will be translated into this kingdom sometime between conception and death, and will enjoy this kingdom eternally forevermore. I hope to say more about that later on. The other kingdom I want to spend some time on here this morning, you enter into it by faith, you're active and enter into this kingdom. This us notice a few characteristics of this kingdom. Remember now, the Israelites were looking for a different kind of kingdom. You go to Acts chapter 1, and after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, when He spent 40 more days on this earth after His resurrection, before He went into glory, we see Him speaking to His disciples, and they ask Him the question, When will thou restore the kingdom to Israel? They were looking for the Messiah to restore to them a kingdom they enjoyed back in the reign, say, of David and Solomon. It's not the kind of kingdom that Jesus came to do. And the Lord said, uh, told them, uh, that you know, they would in, remain at Jerusalem to do with power from on high for the times and the seasons of this is not for you to know. This is not the kind of kingdom that the Lord came to establish. That's the kind of kingdom they were looking for. They were looking for a different kind of king, a different kind of kingdom than what Jesus would come in this world being and what he would establish. So we come here to the 17th chapter of the book of Luke, verses 20 and 21. And you'll find where the Pharisees came demanding of the Lord Jesus Christ, when would the kingdom of God come? And the Lord replies to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven cometh not with observation. In other words, you're not just going to look out here and have the physical, the outward you know, characteristics of the, a kingdom like this. That's not the way it's going to come. You're not going to say low here or low there because earthly kingdoms had their boundaries. This kingdom has no boundaries. This kingdom cometh not with observation. That word observation literally means with ocular perception. That is, with a natural eye, the natural sight. He then goes on to tell them, the next verse, for the kingdom of heaven is within you. He's telling them that we are, the kingdom is not going to be outward. It's not going to be physical. It's going to be spiritual. It's going to be inward. Pharisees didn't comprehend that or understand it, you see. In the 18th chapter of the Gospel of John, the Lord Jesus Christ is before Pilate. Pilate asked him to question, Art thou the king of the Jews? And the Lord Jesus Christ replied, "This My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world, for if it were, my servants would fight. Earthly kingdoms clashed. Earthly kingdoms had combat. Earthly kingdoms had battles. And of course, it, one would win, one would lose. The Lord said, My kingdom is not of the world. Now it's in the world, but it's not of the world. If it were so, then would my servants fight? But that's not the kind of kingdom the Lord Jesus Christ came to establish and to set up. Romans 14, 17, the Apostle Paul said, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Notice the distinction. It's not meat and drink. In the Old Testament, under Moses' law, the ceremonial law, you had meat offerings, you had drink offerings. Meats and drinks were used quite a bit in the ceremonial law. But Paul here says that the kingdom of God is not like that. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. So we have peace and joy. Two wonderful words in the Scriptures, right? That's what the kingdom is. It's inward. It's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 4, I believe about verse 8 The Apostle Paul said, For the kingdom of God cometh with power. And the power and consideration is not military might, of course. The power and consideration is the power of the Spirit of God. The power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The power that this word has here in our lives if we read it and apply it. The power of faith, for example. You can come to the book of uh, 1 John, uh, chapter 5, verse 14. And the Apostle John here says, That our faith, he said, whatsoever is born of God uh, overcometh the world. Our faith overcometh the world. That's pretty powerful, right? Right now, the Lord's people are being called upon to exercise that faith, to be strong in that faith. In chapter 11, the book of Hebrews, you'll find many examples of great faith uh, that were on display from Old Testament saints. But I won't just look at one over here. It says, by faith they subdued kingdoms. By faith, they shut the mouth of lions. Who do you think about there? Daniel, I trust? Now, God's the one who shut the mouth of those lions, but Daniel believed in his God. In fact, when you read Daniel's experience after he's delivered in the den of lions, it says he was delivered because he believed in his God. By faith, kingdoms were subdued. By faith, the mouth of lions was shut and fire was quenched. How? By faith. And then hope. What about hope? The power of hope. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, 19. He said, but two immutable things, which is impossible for God to lie. Impossible for God to lie. We have a strong consolation that we might lay hope upon that, lay hold upon that hope which is before us, which is at the anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. When I talk to people about my hope, I don't want to walk away from there thinking I was talking about wishing. There's a lot of difference between hope and wish, right? Unfortunately, sometimes that word hope, the seventh hope is presented to where it sounds like it's just a, a wish. I'm not wishing for anything. when I'm talking about the things of God. I have assurance that God's word is true and the hope that I have in my soul, the Bible says, is like an anchor of the soul and it's sure and steadfast. An anchor plays a very important part uh, in a ship, right? With a ship. The anchor is to hold a ship in one place. Anybody's ever been fishing, you finally find some place where to fish a bite, and what you do, you put an anchor down. You don't want to drift away. <laughs> you found the spot, and you want to stay there, right? Ships put down anchors. Mighty, huge ships have huge anchors they put down to stabilize the ships. So we're like a ship in the midst of a storm here. The Bible uses that analogy more than one time. And so as we're going through the storms, as we currently are here uh, in the world, and in America, my hope is that an anchor, and it's holds me steady. It holds me stable. It's both sure and it's steadfast. I can rely upon it. I can depend upon it. The kingdom of heaven cometh with power. First Thessalonians 1.4. The apostle Paul said, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but it came in power. It came in the Holy Ghost and it came in much assurance. Assurance is so important. When you hear every Sunday When you leave, I hope you have more assurance than you did before you got here. I hope through the power of God, the presence of God, and the Spirit of God, when you leave here, you're more encouraged, more strengthened, and more built up in the most holy faith than you were before you got here. You should be. Reminds me of the man who came where Jesus was on his bed. When he left, the bed was on him, right? He was in better shape when he left than he was when he got there where the Lord Jesus Christ was. That's what the Lord does for us. So this kingdom I'm talking about is not meat and drink. It's righteous, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. This kingdom I'm talking about uh, comes with power. This kingdom I'm talking about is not of this world. It's not of this world. This kingdom, a different kingdom. it has a king that reigns in righteousness over it and manages it through the Spirit of God and through His Word right here that we have, the Word of God, the Scriptures themselves. Now, The Lord Jesus Christ used the Kingdom of Heaven and the Kingdom of God as a theme of His preaching more than any other theme. It's referred to as the Kingdom of Heaven in Mark, Luke, and John. In Matthew's Gospel, Matthew was saying both the Kingdom of God and also the Kingdom of Heaven. And it just depends on who his audience was, who the congregation was, you might say. uh, was listening to him at the time, depending upon it. But I can assure you the Kingdom of God and the Kingdom of Heaven are synonymous. Uh, Both these terms have reference to the very same thing. So we find John saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Lord Jesus Christ comes, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The apostles go out, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Matthew chapter 13, the Lord begins a series of parables. If you'll notice, in just about every one of these parables, the Lord starts off like this, For the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, now, why would the Lord be given these lessons if the kingdom of consideration wouldn't take place for another 2,000 years or more? He was giving them present-day lessons in that day concerning the kingdom. When he gave the parable, the parable of the sword in particular, his disciples asked him a question. He says, why speak you to them in parables? Question, why speak to them in parables? He says, because it's not given unto them to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but unto you is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Somebody, the mystery of the kingdom was given to, and somebody else, the mystery of the kingdom was not given to, so the Lord spoke in parables. Later on, the Lord will explain the parables to His disciples, and many of those who heard the parables, apart from the disciples, never did know what the mysteries of the kingdom was. Verse 52 of this. He said, every scribe that's instructed... In the kingdom of heaven, notice this, every scribe that's instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like a householder which brings forth out of his treasure things both new and old. Now, I'm not a scribe, but I trust I'm a gospel preacher. And gospel preachers have a treasure. It's called the Bible. Gospel preachers have a treasure. And out of this treasure right here, the Bible... From time to time, they bring things out of here, both new and old. That is, sometimes from the New Testament, sometimes from the Old Testament. Never new truth. Always a big red flag any time you hear a man who thinks God has showed him something that hadn't been shown to the Lord's servants for 2,000 years. I can assure you, no man is being not being, not being revealed to any man today something new that hadn't been proclaimed and declared since the day the Lord set up his church 2,000 years ago. Man says that big red flag. Big red, big red, 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 big red flag. All right, so there are mysteries about the kingdom of God. There was a man who came to the Lord one time. Find this in Mark chapter 12. Man came to the Lord in time. He says, Master, he's a scribe. He says, "Which is the first commandment and the great commandment in the law? And the Lord told him, he said, the first commandment is that the Lord God is one Lord. Remember that. One God is one, God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy might and all thy strength. And the second commandment is like in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When the man heard that, he said, "Thou speakest truth, Lord. And then he actually repeats what the Lord said here. And the Bible says, when the man, when Jesus saw he spoke discreetly, that means with understanding. Here's a man, without a doubt, according to the context, is sincere with the question. And he, I believe, already knew what he thought was the answer. And the Lord told him, according to the Old Testament, what the answer was. The Lord summed up the Ten Commandments in two statements. The Ten Commandments are broken up into two parts. The first four commandments has reference to our relationship with God and the last six commandments have our relationship with each other. The Lord said, commandment number one to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy might. If you do that, you'll have no other gods before you. If you do that, you'll have no graven images of anything before you in idolatry. If you do that, you'll remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. If you remember that, You'll honor your mother and your father, which the uh, first uh, commandment would promise. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you'll keep the final six, you'll not commit adultery. You'll not lie, you'll not murder. you'll not steal. You won't be covetous. You'll keep those last six. That's the two commandments, the Lord sums them up in two statements. The man answers discreetly. Then the Lord makes a statement, I've thought about it a lot. He makes a statement to the man. He says, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. How far was he? Was he a mile from the kingdom? The Lord said "It comes not with observation. Was he a hundred yards from the kingdom? Was he a few feet from the kingdom? No, the Lord's talking about his understanding. The Lord's talk, uh, talking about his understanding of the truth of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, you're not far from it. Not far from it. Now, the Lord began His message on the Sermon on the Mount like this in Matthew chapter 5. Remember, the beginning when there was great multitudes in the, in the low area, and Jesus departed from the multitudes, went up on top of the mountain. And on top of the mountain, it says, His disciples came to Him. There's a separation from His disciples from the multitudes. His disciples came to Him. And when the disciples came, the Bible says, Jesus sat and taught them. Here's the first thing He said. Very first thing he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That shows humility. That shows the proper attitude, the proper spirit to have. When the Spirit of God is born, you're the Spirit of God. What does it do? It, it should cause you to see that you're a great sinner. I can tell you what a great sinner you are. If, you're not, if you've not been born again, you just get mad at me. You won't like me telling you that. I mean, I've heard many, a good number of celebrities, when it comes to something like this, say something, don't call me a sinner. Don't call celebrity speech. If you haven't been born in the Spirit of God, you don't want somebody telling you a sinner. But if you've been born in the Spirit of God, you know the preacher's telling you the truth. But I can't, I can teach you about sin. I can preach about sin. I can declare that you are a sinner. Why are you a sinner? Sinner by nature, sinner by practice. But until the Lord shows you inside your heart, it's like water going off a duck's back. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a kingdom you enter into by faith. Not every one of the Lord's people enter into this kingdom. I'm talking about right here. I'll get back to the other one, Lord willing, toward the end. But not everybody, not all the Lord's people enter into this kingdom because it requires obedience. It requires obedience. Let's go to Luke 16, 16. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of heaven is preached, and every man presseth into it. Now that's not being passive, that's being active, you see. The law and the prophets went until John. John is a transition, or a, a, well, he's a, a, a character of transition, I'll put it that way. If you can't say that word one way, you say it another. So he's a character in transition. John the Baptist came before the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord even said this about him. He said, among men born of women, there's not been a greater born among men than John the Baptist. Yet he that's least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Why is that? Because John was not in the kingdom as you could be in the kingdom. He came as a forerunner. He came preaching the kingdom of heaven was at hand. The law and the prophets were until John. They came to John. But since then, since that time, the kingdom of heaven is preached And every man, that is, every man that gets into the kingdom presses into it. Now, this ought to be another example here. When you read the word every, you've got to take it into context. I can tell you a lot of people didn't press into the kingdom of God. The Pharisees didn't press into the kingdom of God. The Sadducees didn't press into the kingdom of God. The chief priests, elders, and scribes, they didn't press into the kingdom of God. He's not talking about them. You know, when I said in the beginning, they brought forth a message of Repentance. Why why did they bring a message of repentance? Why? Because when Jesus came in this world, John the Baptist and Jesus, the nation of Israel had departed from God's laws tremendously. They had more unwritten laws than God had given them that were written laws, the law of Moses. The Pharisees believed in a system of works. They thought they were so righteous. That's why they condemned Jesus when... uh, he uh, spent time with the publicans. You know, that's why the Pharisees thought this man was who he said he was. In Luke chapter 7, he knows this woman has approached him who's weeping, washing his feet with the tears of her eyes and wiping and driving the hair of her head. He would know she's a sinner. See, they're separating them from sinners. They don't see themselves to be sinners. And that's why Jesus Christ said, they that are whole need not a physician. I've called, come not to call, uh, you know, the whole I've come to call those who are sick back to repentance. Those Pharisees needed repenting. Sadducees didn't even believe in the resurrection. Didn't believe in the resurrection. So he says, repent, repent from the way you're thinking. Repent. There's a time of reformation here. Christ is going to bring an end to Moses' law. We're going to bring an end to the ceremonial law. We're going to bring an end to that law dispensation. And now we have a new dispensation that's begin. It's called the gospel dispensation. It's called the dispensation where the gospel is going to be preached. The gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached and declared to God's children. So let's take a look at Matthew seven twenty one. And here the Lord said, not everyone that saith Lord, Lord. See, here's people saying Lord, Lord, but see what the Lord said. He said, Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but whosoever doeth the will of my heavenly Father shall enter in. There were those who were saying, Lord, Lord, who were not doing the will of God, but they were using the Lord's name. It reminds me of uh, Isaiah 4, one. In that day shall seven women take hold of one man, saying, We'll eat our own bread, wear our own apparel, only this be called by thy name to take away our reproach. Seven, the number of completion, perfection in the Bible. Seven women. Women oftentimes are used uh, in, in the context I'm talking about here. They're used in different ways. But here it says, seven women shall do what? They'll take hold of one man. And they'll say, we'll eat our own bread. Bread in the Bible is a picture of doctrine. We're wearing our own apparel. Apparel in the Word of God is oftentimes used symbolically of worship and service. That's why Isaiah says, awake, Arise, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem. We're talking about garments of service. Seven women take hold of one man, saying, We'll eat our own bread. We'll wear on apparel, but let's take your name, take away our reproach. We want to take your name, but we'll have our own doctrine. We want to take your name, but we'll, we'll worship in any way we want to worship. Uh, we don't feel like we need guidelines from heaven above. We'll do it the way we want to do it. That's what he's saying there. So the Lord said, not every one that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but whosoever doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Remember, the law and the prophets were unto John, since that time the kingdom of heaven is preaching. every man presseth into it to get into this kingdom. You enter by faith, and you have to press into it. That requires effort. It requires obedience. It means those who get into it, get into it, because they keep the law of God. They're obedient to the Father. But whosoever doeth the will of my heavenly Father. The Lord told His disciples in Matthew chapter 18, when they had brought up the question, who shall be the greatest in the kingdom? <laughs> Human nature is on display all the way through the Bible, isn't it? This is not a statement made by the wicked. This statement made by His followers. The Lord Jesus Christ has followed His disciples after the Lord has told them that He shall be taken to the hands of men. He shall be crucified by the chief priests, scribes, and elders, etc. Right after this, they asked the question, Lord, who shall be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The Lord took a little child, put him on his knee, and said, except you become converted, become as this little child here, you will not enter in to the kingdom of heaven. There are some things about a child that's necessary that we need to possess. Not everything, thank God. We don't need temper tantrums in the house of God. (laughs) We don't need temper tantrums. We don't need disrespect. Some things children do we do not need, but there's just something about a child's meekness and humility, most of the time, that we need to take note of. And that is how children get over things so quickly, so quickly, but yet adults want to carry it on to the grave. said if you become converted, he says, you need to be converted in the way you're thinking. The kingdom is not about who can be the greatest in the kingdom, who can be the greatest apostle, who can be the greatest preacher, who can be the greatest song leader, who can be the greatest member. That's not what the kingdom of heaven is about, it's right the opposite. It's about humility. It's about obedience. It's about pressing in to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ through effort and obedience, you see. The Lord came to some of his humble poor. We find this in uh, Luke 12, 32. And the Lord said to a little flock of people, He said, Fear not, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom belongs to the Lord. He gives it to whomsoever he desires to give it to. And he's going to give it to a little flock. Not going to give it to the majority. Not going to give it to the masses. He's going to give it to a little flock of people who loved him so much that they were willing to follow him through thick and thin. They loved him so much. They were willing to minister to him to their substance. They loved him so much that they appreciated, and they loved him for what he came to this world to do, to accomplish, to save them from their sins. And they loved him so much that he's willing to do, like so many have throughout history, give the very lives, my friends, to follow our Savior. And the Lord said, Fear not little flock. You're a little flock, that's okay. You got something the masses don't have. I'm giving you the kingdom. I'm giving you the kingdom. This little flock had the kingdom. Here was a man not far from the kingdom. Remember him I mentioned earlier. Got to press into the kingdom. whoso doeth the will of God gets into the kingdom. This is getting in by an eye of faith. I believe he's talking about his church that he would establish and the gospel blessings of that church. And the more that you press into this kingdom here, enjoy the wonderful blessings of the gospel, the wonderful blessings of the Lord's house, the more that you ought to want to press in even deeper and even further with more effort and more dedication and more commitment Further you press into it, the greater the joy. The greater you press into it, more the blessing. The greater you press into it, the more peace and consolation that you have. The more you press into it, the more strength you have. The more you press into it, the more encouragement you receive to face the battles and the travel I mean, and the, the, the challenges of life here. Look at Second Peter chapter one. In Second Peter chapter one, the, the Apostle Peter tells us to add some things to our faith and your faith, knowledge. The temper, uh, virtue and the virtue of knowledge, and knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, brotherly kindness, and you finally get down to charity. He said, For these things, if you've added these things to your faith, he says, then you should neither be blind, okay? He said, but You should not be unfruitful in the things of the Lord's church and the Lord's kingdom. He that he fails to add these things is the blind, cannot see afar off. He said, But wherefore, the brother, wherefore my brethren, giving all diligence, Add to yourselves, he says, and make your calling and election sure. Now, he's not talking about you getting elected. <laughs> As the elect of God, you were elected before time ever began. I can assure you that. And you're not making your election sure to God. So here you're making it sure to. You're making it sure to yourself. Assurance. I, I keep having this thought. I guess I'll share it with you. It keeps coming into my mind. I kept pushing it aside, but I'm going to share it with you. There was a a man and his wife visited us about a year ago from Wisconsin. He visited here because he looked us up because he had gotten acquainted with the primitive Baptists through the internet, studied it, and said he thought they were the closest thing to true Christianity this side of heaven. But where he goes, there's not a primitive Baptist church nearby, so he goes to a strict Baptist church. Not long after he was here, he saw a video, and I won't give you all the details of this, of a man preaching who made a statement, if a person does this, ultimately, he'll wind up going to hell. And when the man said, if a person does this, this man had experienced that. So about a full year, this man has been under this burden of, of guilt because somebody's told him something that was not true. I took the time to email him back. And I wrote him about this much. And the first thing I told him was, what you heard this man say is absolutely wrong. Number two, there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. Yes, decisions have consequences. Yes, some of the unhappiness that you've incurred in times past has been because of the decisions that you made based upon his own testimony to me. But I assured him. He said he had felt great regret and that he had had, uh, experienced great godly sorrow and repentance during his lifetime for the Lord came to him at a late age. And since that time, he'd been searching the King James Bible. He'd been searching for the truth. And I told him, a man who showed godly sorrow a man who had repented, a man who felt regret in his life for past mistakes and past decisions. I said, that's the great evidence you're God's child. And being God's child, heaven is your home and you'll be there one day. He emailed me back. He thanked me so much for emailing him that message. And he says, I feel so relieved. I feel so, so, so much better. He said, I I know now, I'm just gonna put everything in my life under the blood of Christ and walk by faith as of best of my ability. And he said, I hope to see you sometime this coming year. You make your calling election sure. And he said, for those who do this, an abundant interest shall be entered in to what? The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. The Lord told another person one time, he said, whoso put his hands to the plow, and looketh back, is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Just don't look back, brethren. The back is back, right? Past is past, present is present, and future is future. And so we're not going to look back. We're not going to look back as individuals. We're not going to look back as family. We're not going to look back as the church of the Lord and Jesus Christ. We're going to look forward. We're going to be like the Apostle Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Lot's wife looked back. Guess what? Pillar salt. The Lord said, don't look back. She looks back, become a pull of salt. Who's going to put his hands to the plow and look his back? It's not fit for the kingdom of heaven, he said. Now, in, what, in the next two or three minutes, I'm going to go back to what I opened up with there about the eternal kingdom being translated into it. You'll find in Matthew chapter, excuse me, Luke chapter 22, there's a thief hanging on the cross. There's two thieves on that cross, on, on, on Golgotha. Each one hanging on a cross, Jesus on a cross in the middle. In the beginning, both thieves rail on the Lord Jesus Christ. But at the eleventh hour, this given us for a reason. This given us to let us know that we're in no position to judge any man. Because in the eleventh hour, this man who was a thief, there's no question about it, he was a thief. And he was getting what he deserved. At the eleventh hour, God bore him of a spirit. They both railed on him. Then something happened to one of those thieves. He rebuked the other thief. He says, this man has done nothing amiss. We're getting what we justly deserve. He then turns to the Lord. He said, Lord, when thou comest in thy kingdom, remember me. The Lord said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He said, how would that happen wrong? Easy. Grace. Grace. That's a little too much grace for some people. It's not too much grace for me. I'll take it it day in and day out, my friend. What an example of God's amazing, miraculous grace. At the eleventh hour, the Lord speaks to him, changes his heart. The man cries out, when thou comest thy kingdom, remember me. And the Lord said, today, right then, when his breath left his body, he would be with the Lord in a place called paradise. So the Lord, we're told in Matthew chapter 25, when he comes, he'll come like a shepherd, divide his sheep from the goats. He'll put his sheep on the right hand, and he'll put his goats on the left. He'll say to the sheep on the right hand, come ye blessed, of my father. Inherit the kingdom. Prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Here's a kingdom prepared for them from the foundation of the world of which every single member in this kingdom are in it passively by translation when they were born of the Spirit of God and placed into the family and will inherit that kingdom that will be forever and forevermore. But while you live here, brothers and sisters, I'm just happy to tell you there's a kingdom right here that can't be seen with the natural eye. It's inside of you but you can press into it by now faith, by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ, by taking up your cross and following Him on a daily basis. You can be in this kingdom where Jesus Christ reigns as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.